Christ our Savior, founder and finisher, perfecter of our
it's so easy to just let the, because we're so spaced out and it's the 4th of July weekend and different people are different places and it's easy to think, ah, just no energy. It's not true. It's amazing. Good morning. Oh yeah, we got to keep on than that. Good morning. (laughs) It's a wonderful day that we get to worship Jesus today and I invite you to do that with us. No matter what your week has been, no matter how tired you are, or how excited that we might today, right now, come in and say, okay, we're here to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we get to do that all together, and it's a great privilege that we do. And So I want to give him this time, and then we'll sing out, sing through your masks, we'll sing at home, those who are watching, and, and uh, yeah, this is a neat time for us to have together. So would you give it to the Lord with me? Father, thank you that we get to be here today. What a joy, what a privilege. And Lord, we, we desire you to be lifted high. You deserve thousands upon thousands of angels singing. Lord, our poor voices, but Lord, we pray that it would be music to you, that you would use this time to build us up, and that, Lord, we might glorify you with all that we have. In your name we pray. Amen. I have a matching mask tonight.
Jesus, the only one who could ever say, You're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Because you are holy. There is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Sing is worthy of every song you could ever sing. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all praise we could ever breathe. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you, Jesus. We live for you, Jesus. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever sing. You're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. You are holy. There is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those
Lord, we do. We make that our prayer. That you would help us to lean on you. You would remind us that we have every reason to do that. That you've taken the complete burden of our sin and our shame on your shoulders. That you listen to every prayer, Lord. You hear us when we cry out. You care so much more than we could ever comprehend. Your love stretches deeper than the ocean. Further than our eyes can even see. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. We experience the freedom of this gospel because you gave it to us freely. Lord, how can we not praise you? How can we not thank you? How can we not be humbled by that? We thank you, Lord, and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please have a seat for a moment. and. We take time now to just talk a little bit about what's going on in the church. And I just want to say I'm so grateful for these skills of the people leading us in worship. And it's not just Trey and, and Sam who I'm really grateful for, but there's a whole team of people running the video and the sound. And we even had them come in this week and improve our sound. And just super grateful. I stand up here and talk, but they make it happen. So if you have a chance to thank, thank our sound team sometime, go up and say, whoa, thanks for the sound. And pass the earplugs. No. <laughs> Hey, a few things happening at church. One is if you have the bulletin and can see at the bottom, there's different um, online gatherings that are going on, and you're happy to jump into those. If it describes you, middle school and our youth and young adults, and there's a Thursday evening Bible study that we do all online. So if you have a chance to join that, you're certainly welcome to, and there's more information online. And, and then these cards are out now because the end of the month, we are having a camp out. It's going to be different this year. Normally, it's a big shindig with Children's Olympics and all these activities. That's not this year. This year, what we're doing is the church is just subsidizing, so we're paying about half of it. And you get the so it's $40 for two nights. And just go and hang out with the church family. So if you want a quiet time out in the wilderness, you can be as together or untogether as you'd like. And uh, the Silver Lake Red Mountain Campground is really pretty. You're invited to do that. There's information on the back of these cards how to sign up if you'd like to go. And uh, you're invited to take advantage of that. Okay, well, we turn now to the reading of the Word of God. So if you want to read along in your Bibles, you can. It's John chapter 1, verses 19 to 34. We'll, We'll put it on the screen, too. This is an amazing passage to think about how the Old Testament presents the coming of Jesus. Verse 19. And this is the testimony of John. John the Baptist. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the one the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, they've been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, Then why are you baptizing, if you're neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. 
but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. The word of the Lord. Would you bow with me? Let's pray together. What amazing thing. Jesus, you, the, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world, actually came to the world. We're amazed that you did it. Lord, we know it's deeper and more amazing than we can even comprehend that you, God in heaven, came to earth for us. Thank you that you've done it. Thank you that it's finished. Thank you all that you've done for us, Lord. We pray today in the midst of tiredness, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of uncertainty, Lord, that you would open our eyes to the wonder that you, the Lamb of God, has paid for all of our sin. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We are not passing an offering right now because of the pandemic that's here. You can always use the box that's over here on the wall or mail something in or, or give online if you'd like to give to the church or to the Lord that way.
bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born. Jesus is called. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar, and the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus.
have this deep assurance from the Bible for you and me on the depths of what God's done. And it's bound up in a certain thing that I'd like to say is a mystery. It's important that you get this today. It's important we flesh this out. It's a mystery revealed. So what we're looking at today is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. It's like the first half of the chapter. So if you want to follow along in your Bible, certainly do that. We'll put it on the screen too. But I want to start with this revealing of a mystery. There is such a thing as a mystery. So in chapter 3, verse 1, Paul writes this. The scene comes up. It's a new scene now. And Paul, it's almost like he's resetting. And he says, now, for this reason, the reason we just talked about last week, that the Gentiles are close to God. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. There's a dash there. Stop with me for a minute. Paul starts writing. The scene comes up. Paul's about to say the, the completion of that sentence. For that reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, I'm going to pray for you, he says. But he doesn't say that until verse 14. Paul starts writing and he's saying, man, I want to pray for you because I'm so excited that you're in the kingdom of God. <gasps> oh, wait. And he gets sidetracked. Everything we're talking about this morning is a sidetrack from Paul. He wants to pray, and, oh, I'm a prisoner of Christ on behalf of you. You might not understand. So the stream of consciousness that he goes on, he says, because you're near, I, Paul, a prisoner on your behalf, oh, wait, maybe you don't understand why I don't care about the waves. Why, when I say I'm a prisoner, unjustly imprisoned, I'm okay. Why I'm being in a society that's not treating me rightly, that that's, that's, has me here chained to a, a guard, as I write this letter to you, the tiresomeness of this unjust society, I'm actually fine. So before I pray, maybe I should explain. I'm a prisoner for you. And if you understand what I'm talking about... Right? That's what he does, right? He says, he says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. I read that, and I don't know about you, but I have a little problem. You know the word assume. You just shouldn't use it. It does something to you and me. That's about assuming. He's assuming something, though, right? He says, I'm assuming you know I have this incredible stewardship of the grace of God for you. Have you heard of the special grace that I had? It's not observations on life. It's not wisdom that I've discovered through my deep study. It's, look, a mystery. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I've written briefly. Right? This mystery made known to me by special revelation. God himself revealed a great mystery to me. Mystery. That's the word that's going to come up over and over this morning. Mystery. It's something hidden, something not known in general. The world was functioning day in and day out. People were living and, and breathing and dying. And there's this hidden secret... 
And I know it, says Paul. That's pretty cool. He says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Hey, you, when you read this, you can see it too. My insight into, and now it's even cooler, the mystery of Christ. Which has been made known. It was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. He said nobody knew this, right? Even how he orders that, the holy apostles and prophets, means he's not talking about the Old Testament prophets. They didn't know. He's talking about the New Testament apostles and prophets. Now know something that was not discoverable in all the world's history. Amazing. You, dear listener, can start to hear this incredible insight, the mystery of Christ not known before. There's lots of regular light out there. There's lots of things that are true. There's lots of things to discover. But in this really important deep thing here, there was just darkness as people raised their kids, as civilizations rose and fell, as people lived life, ate food, slept. But I don't care about the weights of life, you know, he says. Being imprisoned. Because I've been shown the mystery. Revealed to the apostles and prophets by the very Spirit of God. Okay. So I've been built it up enough. I mean, come on, there's this mystery at the center we want to know. I want to know what it is. Now you really want me to go on. Dax, I want to know what the mystery is. Would you please tell me what this amazing mystery that Paul got to know, that we need to know, this hidden thing that no one can just find out, but Paul knew it by special revelation. I want to know what it is. There's this secret at the middle of life, something not mundane, something special, and it's in my life too. So what is it? What is this mystery? It's a good thing we're in the middle of the passage because he goes ahead and says it. It's in verse 6. There it is. This mystery is, that's an equal sign. Here it is. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. That's the great, deep, incredible mystery. Gentiles are fellow heirs. That means those outside, no hope, now they're in. Members of the same body, he writes, that's the same standing, the same benefits, the same blessing as the the chosen people God was dwelling among. And then even partakers of the promise in Jesus, that's rescue and redemption and salvation and adoption and forgiveness. Whoa. Paul works up all this time. So all the thing I've told you so far, we've walked through. He's working up to tell you about this great mystery. And he says, here it is. And I know what you did when I did it. Just there. That's the mystery. You're a little bit like, oh, Great. I already know that. Known it since I was four, Swanson. Been to Sunday school. It's all anybody ever says. Yeah, I know, I know the gospel. I get it. That's the, like, like, so, <coughs> is it okay to say? It doesn't sound like a mystery. It doesn't sound particularly like mysterious. This is the mystery. Think about it. It's not mysterious to treat other people well so that they treat you well. 
it's not mysterious to try and be a good person because that's what you ought to be. It's not mysterious to try and make a civil society run on common sense laws. The mystery revealed is that God in heaven set his love on the outcast nobody who didn't deserve it. The, the, the mystery is revealed that God died as a criminal to love you who are actually tainted. The, the mystery is the failure in the midst of your failure to love and your failure to keep the law at all. God adored you. You are loved. So I, how do you get this? That it's actually this amazing thing that's a mystery. It's not just something, yes, it says, let me tell you another fact that you need to know about life. Here's the gospel. No, this is the mystery of your life. And, and so you start thinking, well, well, how I think things ought to work is, okay, say there's a really special sporting event that I want to get to or, or concert, whatever you want to make it. Make it this massive arena, and I really want to get inside, but I don't have a ticket. So well, I know how to get a ticket. There's this red carpet rollout with blazing lights and all the celebrities come up and, and just by dint of their celebrities, they're going to get in and they seem to walk towards this entrance and they go in and all these people. And I'm, oh, I want to sneak in there. I want to be under the lights. I want to walk on the red carpet. I want to, by dint of my reputation or dint of my money or dint of my nice car, something, maybe by dint of my good works. I'm gonna, and you don't even look that over around the corner, this dark kind of hidden area, People just seem to be going in this door and actually come to find out that the red carpet thing isn't going anywhere. They're not going into the fun event. It's that air door over there. And anyone who just, anybody just walks in. Whoa, all of a sudden I'm running for that door because it's the best thing ever. I'm, I'm going to go to the event that's free. All I got to do is go in. It's that kind of thing, you guys. Not do good and you'll get a ticket. Spend a lot of money, use your connections. Not trust in order to get a ticket, but loved and given a free ticket. Come on in. Religion is done. You, you know that, that the law is never lowered one little bit. That the blazing red carpet entrance be all you should be. And in the darkness where everybody's being let in totally without being the right people, without even checked. You're in. The whole thing is this, is that everything we think about is, is over here. We, we think things work a certain way, and we just know that they work a certain way, and because they, they do work a certain way all the time. And, and, and then something that's a mystery is something that's working differently, that's not understood, that's unusual, and doesn't seem to make sense. The mystery is the Gentiles are fellow heirs through the gospel the announcement of peace, the news from outside, people in the darkness, lost in sin and against God, and then God acts and rescues them, is never even dreamed of. The whole world, every rule, every law, is to distinguish out who's good and deserves to be in the group. I did it like this. So, that way, every law Everything that happens, everything that's around you should try to distinguish out all the ways in which you ought to be worthy of God and worthy of him and all the things you're going to do. And one mystery, which doesn't make sense, against it. What's that? 
that the outcasts, nobodies who don't deserve it and are honestly against God, God brings in anyway. Whoa. So the mystery is the incarnation of the word of God. The eternal son, the action of that person doing something, loving the unloved, Jesus Christ, our, our life, which is not the obvious, which is to define sin as some moral failure and to, to commit it is to cut yourself off from grace. That's, that's going this way. As opposed to saying I've committed moral sin, but Jesus comes and grabs me and says, come on in. How? Why? That's mysterious. So the law of merit, the law of justice, the law of rightness, upside down because of a mystery. And he says of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. You get that? The good news, this upside down mystery. God made Paul a minister of the good news by sheer grace. Goes along with the mystery, right? Nothing he did to make it happen. All God's work, none of Paul's work. In fact, Paul considers himself the least of all saints. <laughs> it's about God's grace and his power. Look what he says. To me, though, I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Come on, come on, come on, really. Really, you guys, you've been around the Bible. Do you really think Paul was the least of all saints? He wrote the New Testament. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. He, like, did all these miracles. He was amazing. <laughs> and yet he says, and he says, and, and do you not believe him? He's the least of all the saints. Why? Because it's, it's all about God who did this amazing mystery thing over here. It's that all of life is this, that, that the outcast, that the least, that the little, God, and he used him. It's incredible. He's given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ according to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. You see that mystery word again? Now it's connected to the unsearchable riches of Christ. Boom. That's really this contrast. We think we want a level playing field. I just want, I just want a well-lit field that I can show off my skills and work on my abilities so that I can show God that I'm actually doing okay. We think that way if it's soccer or if it's good works or whatever it is. You know, because the best will rise to the top, the cream of the crop, and then God will take that cream of the crop and he'll take them on in. Come on in. You're a good job. Instead, it's a mystery. Which is what? It's like an iceberg, right? You just see the top, the tippy top of an iceberg. You realize that when you see this and say, I know what that is and I can describe it and I can look at you on that iceberg and say, yeah, I can describe your life and all the things you do, but I'm missing what? 90 plus percent of the iceberg is hidden, unseen, a mystery. And God who has work in you, and he's doing things in you and for you, and it's unseen, and you can't, you can't even know.
until now. When it says, though your sin was as scarlet, yet I have made you white as snow. Because it's my power, says God. Because it's my heart for you. Because it's my work for you. Because it's my forgiveness of you. It's amazing. I don't want you to miss. don't want you to miss this. Because we kind of get this. We kind of say, okay, I get it. This is the gospel. This is the depth of what we are. We come again to hear it because this world leeches it out of us. That, that it's about the mystery of Christ. That it's about his work for us. His love for us that I don't understand. But it's not just about he did it on the cross. It's about your confident purpose now. Because do you see what it says? And to bring to light for everyone what is the what? The plan of the mystery hidden for ages. There's a plan for you and me. It's a plan. A plan means mapped out, a purpose. That means that something's going to happen. You know, God has a plan. And so I think, well, I get what that is. Plans, right? He has a plan for me. He saves me. I receive the love of Christ. I say, yeah, I want in the game. Give me a ticket, please. And he gives me a ticket because I turn to him and I trust him. And now he's going to make me into an awesome player, of course. Look what it actually is. Because we have a purpose And it's not what you think it might be. Look what he says. Okay, what is the plan of the mystery? And to bring to light for everyone, verse 9, what is this plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things? So that's the plan of the mystery. So what? So that through the church, he's talking about you and me, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. On the one hand, this informs how we look back in the Old Testament. We say they didn't know the plan. They didn't even know what was going on. But now we do. What's the plan? To show the manifold wisdom of God to the heavenly authorities. You've got to stop and take this in for a minute. Because if you don't get this, you go tootling back off to saying, well, I know God's plan for my life. It's to make me a better lover of people. It's to make me um, a more for my neighbor. It's to produce lots of stuff on earth. For... Stop. That's not the plan of the mystery. What is the plan of this? It's that God is making this amazing, beautiful thing for the display of the universe. And that amazing, beautiful thing is... You. This is a deep mystery. And it's that God was loving and saving the absolute sinners that you and I are. He was loving and creating and working. And now when Jesus entered time and he died for us and he was raised and is seated and is finished, now God's plan is on display, which is what? That you and I who don't deserve Christ and have nothing to offer him and nothing to give to him, nothing to earn and nothing to pay back, nothing to do, literally nothing to do. You're a display of his wisdom. That, that's what Paul's saying. See, God says, it's all me. Look at what I make by my grace, by my wisdom. You and I, the church together, we're, 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 like, we're like a beautiful rose. A rose that was made by God. And he makes it. And so people look at the rose and say, wow. They don't say, well, how awesome the rose is. They say, who made that? 
He makes it, not you. And therefore, people can look at it and say, wow, it took the amazing grace of that. Who would ever do that? Who would ever put people into that role? Who would ever love the outcast like that? What, who would? God, his manifest wisdom. You and I, you know, what we do is, is we manipulate God's work to try and make it both of us together. Here's what I mean. So say, for example, you say, what I really want to do is I want to make some apples. You know how you make apples? I do. You get an apple seed, and you go, and you dig a hole, and you, like, fertilize it, and you do all that stuff, and you water it, and the apple tree grows. And if you're fortunate enough, not in my house where we have an apple tree in the front, it doesn't make anything. But, but there are some people that have apple trees that when you fertilize it and stuff, then it makes apples, and you can make these beautiful apples and eat them, and they're delicious. Did you make the apple? No, you have no idea how to actually make an apple. You're, you're using this little apple seed where God made the life, and with God and his help, and then you're together making it, and, so, and then you say you made it, and look what beautiful apples I grew this year. You grew them? No, God made so, and so, so we have this twisted thinking. Well, and this is not like that. This is utterly, totally, 100,000%. God does it for the manifest wisdom of saying, look, I made this. So that the rulers and authorities who have no idea and no concept that, that anybody should value you and me. Lawbreakers, sinners, anti-God, far from God, no hope of anything. And God shows his beauty and his love and his grace. His, not yours. By taking and making a church that will be a beautiful statue a beautiful a beautiful layout a beautiful thing that people will look and say wow god is like that indeed he is god set his love on the outcasts and he died for them that they might have life This has always been his purpose, his eternal purpose. Look, this was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is for your, which is your glory. So we have boldness and access because we trust this is true, that God in Christ has set his love on us. We have confidence to come into the presence of the mighty God. Why? Because he's revealed that his relationship with us is one of grace. Not earning, not religion, not merit. And it's all trust in Jesus, his finished work. And what that did for Paul is it made his present suffering not very consequential. Right? He's going to say it again in 2 Corinthians 4. Says this momentary light affliction is not worth the eternal weight of glory. See, I see the wonder that I don't deserve anything, and look what I've gotten. And, and, and so, even right now, the suffering that I receive, hey, it's for your glory because I'm telling you this mystery is true. The incredible grace of the message. Paul writes that his message is so otherworldly, so incredible, so upside down, that my suffering, who cares? I'm talking about your glory. What's your glory again? Jesus saves the Gentiles. 
The forgiveness of sin happens. Our lives are hid in Christ. He is our peace. We have confidence and purpose because God says so. This is the gospel. We are unashamed. It's our only hope. Okay. Here's the crux today. Our hope is in a mystery. It's super important that mystery, though it's been revealed to us, it remains something that's a deep and wondrous thing that we can't really get to the bottom of, which is what? God in Christ has set his love on you. Why, Dax? I don't know. You don't deserve it. I don't either, right? It's an amazing, deep thing. Mysterious because it's undeserved and we remain in the flesh undeserving. And this trust that we have that is true comes by hearing, not by improvement, not by transformation, not by observed righteousness. Trust comes by hearing the message given to Paul of the mystery. God in Christ has come and he's for you. And let me make sure you hear today. The trust is not your part. Why do I say that? Because we want to make something our part. So, so, so it's like this. It's like, let me say, well, I've done this before, but one more time. So say you're lying in the hospital bed, like I was a few weeks ago. And while you're lying in that hospital bed with IV lines taped to you, and you, you're really sick, you, you get a report that your, your roof has a huge hole in it. Like, oh, all my stuff. Soaked, I'm sure. Thankfully, you have a friend, and the friend shows up and says, hey, hey. I heard your roof was not uh, doing well, so I stopped by yesterday with my ladder. I got up on it, and I re-roofed your roof, and it's totally okay. No problem. You can choose to trust that or not. If you trust it, then you go, oh, fantastic. What a weight off my shoulders. Or you can not trust it, and you can rip your IVs out, and you can sign out AMA, and you can crawl back to your house to fix your roof, even though your friend told you he did it. Whether or not you trust that, the issue is, did it happen? Whether I trust it or not, the man came in and told me, I fixed your roof. It's not said, if you trust me, I'll fix your roof. It's, I fixed your roof. Rest. That's what trust is, right? Something already finished, not something that will finish if you trust enough. This is Christianity, too. It's, it's like this. It's that announcement. You can trust it, but trust doesn't cause it. It's the response you should have to the truth and not be silly and rip out your IVs and try and crawl home. So the, the, the mystery is, the mystery, there's a mystery in that. Why did your friend do it? Because he's your friend. Okay, so switch it one more time for me before we're done. Switch it and make it your worst enemy. It's a guy you spit on last week. You kicked him between the legs. You, you hate him. You, you, you burned his house down last week. And he comes to you and says, you know what? I heard you had a hole in your roof and I fixed it. My first response is, why? It's a mystery. He adores you. He loves you. He's for you. He actually is your friend. That's hard to believe. That's the mystery. We were like that. We are like that. We don't treat God as he ought to be treated. We, we do worse. And God is glorified by gracing you with salvation. And then he puts us on display to the heavens as a bonfire of his character, his grace, his plan, his ability to take the least and the little and make us shine. And he does that for us. Let it sink in. Are you tired? 
Is this world not crazy? Is life not upside down? Is your roof not leaking? Yeah, hear the truth. You're forgiven. You're loved. He's got you, and he's making you into what he wants to show us off to the universe. Let that influence our life and our view of suffering and our view of what happens here because we know we're part of this mystery. Nothing we do receiving the love of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what you've done for us. Oh, Lord, how I pray we might actually believe it, that it is finished, that you have done it, that we who are so unworthy have received the love, undeserved grace that you've lavished on us. Thank you for Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen. Okay, the world doesn't want us to hear this news. That it's not up to us that Jesus adores us. That he died for us. The way that we affirm together is we hear the word, but then we also participate. How do we participate? By being a better person. We better say no. I want to gasp for something. No, by, by coming around the cross, by coming to the table and saying, I receive this together. We say our only hope is in the body and blood of Jesus received. Not that it's actually body and blood, but the symbols that we use, we take into image together that our only hope is in the received grace of Jesus. So we're going to do that now, and I invite you, whether or not you're part of our church usually, whether or not you've sinned this week or you're struggling, I don't care. I care about this. Will you receive this amazing grace of Jesus? If you'd like to, elements are here and here. We're going to play a little bit. Go ahead and get them. Be careful. Go row at a time. Keep separate. Um, there's space so you can just take your little element. There are two cups, and you take it back to your seat, and then we'll partake together because we're all in this together. So go do that, and if you're at home, go get your elements, and then we'll partake all together in a moment. amazing things that Paul got to do was to meet with Jesus on the road to Damascus. I wish I could have been there. I can't wait to see my Lord. But what he did was he received and they talked about this communion. 
Because he says, for I received from the Lord. He personally talked to Jesus about this. What I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it, and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus on the way to the cross, the Son of God, the deepest mystery we know is God become man. And he did it for us. He gave his body that we might have life. Would you partake? The body of Jesus. And then, in the same way, Paul writes, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The new covenant in the blood. Jesus said when he established it that it's for the forgiveness of sins. A relationship we get to have with God because he came for us and saved us and rescued us. And by his blood we are washed clean. Would you partake of the blood of Christ? Thank you, Lord, that you've cleansed us by your blood. Thank you that you've promised us life in you. Lord, I pray we would never get tired of this mystery that you have set your love on us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
have the most confidence we can ever have. He died for us. He loves us. He's washed us. Let that impact how you see this world that wants to distract you. Make it about you. And go in the wonder that we have the best message ever. Jesus Christ mysteriously has loved us and saved us. Go with peace. God bless you. You're dismissed.